You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I hang out with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Are you a metalhead? Do you happen to brew craft beer? Are you a metal brewer? If you are, then I want to talk to you. You got to send me an email. I have this crazy idea that I want to start doing with metal brewers. Please hit me up at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And send me a message. Tell me that you're a metal brewer and I want to have a conversation with you. You can also send me a message on the Vox and Hops Facebook page. I want to talk to you, all you metal brewers out there. Today on the podcast, I'm with Jordan James, the vocalist of Disentomb. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 88. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Jordan James of Disentomb, and we are at Le Saint-Buc, Brasserie Artisanale on Saint-Denis Street in Montreal, and we are here because you are headlining yep. bloodletting North America at Fofon Electric. We certainly are. Thanks How for having me. How has this been? Oh, I'm super happy. I'm super happy. As I mentioned right before I pushed record, you are actually a requested guest for the Vox and Hops podcast. Yeah, unexpected, but, you know, very good. Glad someone out there wanted to hear what someone from Disentomb had to say. Yes, super excited when I saw you guys were coming. I love the new record. Thank you. It's uh, brutal as fuck. Yep. The riffs are intense. The They're catchy. The vocals are very, very intense. I love the production. It's almost old school style. Yep. Let's talk about that. How do you guys approach writing new music, producing it? Do you want that old school feel versus the modern metal production? To be honest, when we, um, when we were working on The Decaying Light, we didn't really have anything like that in mind. We had a whole bunch of people sort of telling us we need to do this new album a certain way, but we were pretty particular in how we wanted it to sound. Um, I think what we achieved with the latest album is a certain sort of atmosphere across the entire record. And we just wanted, you know, I can see how people say it's similar to old school death metal albums because we kind of wanted to create, you know, the atmosphere that you get on albums like Morven Angel's Covenant or formulas fatal to the flesh where you know it's got its own it's its own entity so adrian our bassist actually mixed the album no way yeah. that's cool is yeah. that something he does is he a producer or uh he mixes and masters under the name inner and productions and so he he does quite a quite a lot of really underground brutal death metal releases but um in terms of having him mix it we, we sent it to a few other people and they just didn't seem to understand what we were going for but when we had adrian do it you know he did a mix a, a mix that you know no one else was really able to sort of achieve so we kind of went with that and it means we were able to play around with it until we found it to be something that we imagined it to sound like so he was patient is what you're he saying. was very patient <laughs> he, he dealt with a lot of uh back and forth and be, being in a band with my my producer Christian yep. Donaldson. Yep. He, he always dislikes mixing his own band more than others. I imagine. Yeah, because it means uh, yeah, you, uh, patience is a good word because um, <laughs> yeah, there were quite a few back and forth. Yeah. Being from Australia, yep. do you feel that your career as a band has been held back because you're from so far away? And to, to go tour somewhere, the yeah. guarantees have to be that much higher to yeah. make the flights worthwhile. Is that something that you feel has been a limitation? 
I think it, there's pros and cons. We actually discussed this the other day when we were driving. I think being from Australia gives us an opportunity where, you know, we're kind of exotic to a lot of, you know, the American crowds, the European crowds, because we're so far removed from everything else that I think it does work in our favour a lot. But obviously there's a lot of a lot of um, obstacles that get in the way when you're when you're a band from Australia because tickets to Europe is incredibly expensive, you know, 2500 per person. And then you've got all the other expenses and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons, but I think for us it's never really held us back. We've never felt limited by it. There's never a point where you have to say no to tours because it's no, just not financially viable. No, I think we've been fortunate enough to be in a situation where we haven't had to, you know, we haven't felt held back. But there is a level of you definitely have to grind very hard i think to um to make it where you can tour regularly overseas when you're from australia because you're definitely not going to be that band that's gonna be on every package no so as you're saying it it makes sense yeah yeah so we have to make sure we're strategic in which tours we we pick and it's almost uh, at the point where you have to like juggle in doing europe and north america at the same time yeah that's exactly right so we have to you know each album cycle we have to think okay we've got to hit europe or the u.s three times each and then just be strategic about okay should we do a headlining run should we support a bigger band and that's just kind of what we've been alternating with you know doing headline runs in europe and the u.s and then supporting other bigger bands as well so just trying to juggle all of that and do australia and asia in between absolutely yes we were just delivered a beautiful beer it's called the Ecole Buissonniere from saint buck and it is a blonde lager let's see what it's got it clocks in at a nice 4.5 cheers. cheers it smells like a nice lager no, definitely good to wet the whistle with, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's good, nice, smooth, Yeah, everyday drinking beer. Yeah, good way I to start I could survive with this. Talking about beer, are you a craft beer enthusiast? Um, unfortunately not, no. I'm not really the biggest drinker. Like, I do enjoy drinking when I do get a nice beer, but in terms of, um, no, I kind of... Uh, Stick to water mainly. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a nice hydrated vocalist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is there a craft beer scene in Brisbane? Yeah, there definitely is. You know, obviously all over the place it's kind of blowing up. So, you know, I've got plenty of friends that are, um, they love their beers and they review all the different beers that come out. I've, I've just never really been caught up in that wave. Not yet, anyways. Do you remember your first experience with beer? Um... I do. It was always, you know, Christmas time. And Christmas time in Australia is summer. So, you know, you have big family get-togethers or you go to the beach. And it was always just, you know, you kind of see your your dad and your uncles drinking beer. So you always beg them for a sip. And when mum's not looking, dad would give you a sip of his beer. But that's, I think, you know, that probably sounds like child abuse in a way. But I think most people kids grew up with that or maybe in australia that's no that's I, I don't know i don't know because like a, you know Fran- french people yeah, serve wine yep. to their children at a very young age it's just yep. different cultures <laughs> yeah well and, and a lot of uk kids grow up in pubs yep. because you can bring your kids to pubs and yep. you eat sunday night dinner in a pub yeah that, while your parents have pints so it's just that's very similar in australia yeah. yeah but australia has a very big binge drinking culture as well so um yeah. Is that why you don't that. drink? Yeah, I, you know, my teenage years were spent doing a lot of that. So, yeah, I got it out of my system early. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Have you guys ever considered making a Disentomb craft beer? We have actually discussed that a few times. I, I don't know if we'll ever, like, 
actually do that. There's a few venues in Australia that I think we could approach and sort of talk to about that. So the crowbar, yeah, yeah, crowbar, exactly. Um, you know, so we'd like to. If there's an opportunity there, we'll definitely follow it. If you did do that, what style beer would it be, and what would be its name? <sighs> oh, that's a good one. I would probably say maybe an IPA. Call it Sloom Merc. <laughs> I don't know. That just sounds like something Distant Tomb would have Sloom Merc. But it doesn't sound very appetizing, does it? Like to when I it drink it. Do- it doesn't. I would drink the Sloom Merc. It's only served in a bucket, maybe. Yes. Or, yeah. or a <laughs> or trough. A cauldron. Yeah, a, tr- a trough. Yeah, that's that a cauldron. Much more that's even better. Yeah, yeah. A cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> a potion. Yeah. Sloom Merc. Get it now. <laughs> Get it in you. <laughs> Get it up, yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to your youth. You're growing up in your house. What yep. music was playing? What would be the soundtrack to your youth? To be honest, there was like, oh, I, I had two, have two older brothers. So from a young age, they're five and eight years older than me. So from a young age, I was exposed to, you know, they were going through the whole new metal phase in the late 90s, early 2000s. So much of my youth when I was about eight was listening to things like Marilyn Manson, Corn, and Slipknot, and then eventually System of a Down, which, you know, like most people, kind of progresses into much more extreme genres. But that that was kind of my... the soundtrack to my youth, which probably doesn't sound completely healthy, but... And a lot of my parents listened to a lot of um, Jimmy Barnes, and the, that's like an Australian singer, and a lot of Australian country and that sort of thing, but... I can't say that was too much of an influence on me. (laughs) When when did you pick up the mic? What was the reason? Why extreme vocals? Yeah. I bought... My oldest brother, Ryan, bought my first death metal album when I was 12, and it was Morbid Angel's Formula's Fatal to the Flesh, because I'd seen a music video for Rapture on TV late at night, and I thought, this is sick. And... As soon as after I bought that CD, I just wanted to try and do vocals that sounded as, you know, it just sounds bestial. It's just insane. So Jake, the guitarist of Disentomb, and I, we've been friends since we were six and seven. And he naturally started playing guitar when he was about 12. So I bought a bass and I completely sucked at that. I but you were going to be there with him. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you weren't going to let him yeah, go well, off was, and join a band that, and, and you weren't going to be there with that's him. That's exactly right. I tried... um drums and completely sucked at that <laughs> you know if i wasn't good at bass i probably wasn't going to be good at drums <laughs> so i just started making stupid noises with my mouth and uh you know much to the uh disappointment of my parents hearing me in the shower all the time just sounding like a dying dog um i kind of got decent at that and then yeah jake and i just sort of stuck together with that and just been doing that since i was like 14 i think were you a kid that used to sing? Was it something that you did? Can you carry a tune? No, I certainly can't. No? No. 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 I can only do gutturals. <laughs> I wish, trust me, if I could sing, I probably wouldn't be in a death metal band. <laughs> How did your technique develop over the years? It's really interesting. Um, you know, I started getting quite serious about it when Disentomb first formed when I was like 18, 19. And so I started focusing on just getting, trying to get more guttural. And then it's just with increased amount of touring, um, especially since we dropped our album Misery in 2014, just being on the road a whole lot more, four or five months of the year, it gives you so much more opportunity to just try things out live and build up your stamina and your endurance. 
And I feel like over the years, even in the last year, I'm still trying out different techniques that are making my vocals more, you know, I don't do highs, I only do lows, but even doing a variety of different sort of gutturals and gurgles and that sort of thing. Which which you and I will hear it and we'll appreciate that and we'll understand that, but to an outside person... Oh, to an be, outside person, it, sounds, just like, streaming. it yeah. sounds like yeah. static yeah. and white noise, so... But it is true that the more that you tour, the more that you have time to play with it. Yeah, definitely. And you're warmed up and you're fresh and you're good. Yep. Versus when you go home and you rest a bit. Yep. And then you jump back into the jam room and it sucks again. You, you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I, I hate recording, but... That was that was leading to yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I really Let's talk about being in the studio. What is that like? How do you feel? How do you track your vocals? With the Decaying Light, we tracked it with a guy called Dan Field and... He's done a whole bunch of vocals for like bands in the past, like Amity Affliction and you know all these sort of big sort of metalcore bands. And what we did was just did two tracks, vocal tracks each. And but one thing I, I always find I'm just super nervous before I go into the studio because um I, I just can't. It's I, I find it really difficult to capture what I do live actually in a studio. You know, there's just certain ways you can tort your body or your throat and that sort of thing that just you can't really recreate in the studio especially with a mic that's set up on a stand so that's always a bit nerve-wracking but with the way we recorded for the decaying light i think it kind of it's definitely captured the most out of any of our previous recordings what did did you change that made it that way we just honestly we we spent like eight weekends over on vocals good for you yeah yeah so just going into the studio for two days and just trying different things and then resting for the week and yeah resting for the week and then coming back and good for you yeah Yeah. but i was recording four hours away from where i live so it was just a lot of back and forth got it yeah over two months i do have a secret for you my guitarist is my producer yep box and hops alumni cryptopsy guitarist christian donaldson whenever i track with him i track with an sm7b in my hand Yep. Have you ever tried that? Yeah, I have done that, actually. That and actually makes me feel much more comfortable as if I'm on stage. You can contort. You can move the way you want. Yep. And it doesn't matter. See, see, that's what made me feel really uncomfortable about this whole last recording process was I'm so, I was used to holding it and handheld, but Dan was, you know, pretty... Um, adamant. Adamant on having it... Uh, fixed like, on uh, a stand. Fixed on a stand. And, you know, so there was a lot of just leaning into the mic as much as possible, but... um. Yeah, like, I'm really happy with how it turned out, but it, it did feel strange. And there's always that nerves, you know, when you hear death metal vocals without music behind it, sounds ridiculous. Like It, it is a bit nonsensical. It, it just, you know, you, you listen to it and you think that's just rubbish. <laughs> and then you put Especially the because, you know, you're, you're, it's the only thing you're analyzing just that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So It's like you and me watching our YouTube videos. We don't care what the bass is. Or the, yeah, yeah. But, we're, we're listening to us. Yeah, yeah. But as it, like hearing it alone is yep. very hard, especially if you're in a studio context. Yeah, definitely. I like being in the studio, but I much rather the live experience. One hundred percent. You get much more of the vibe of the crowd. Yep, I definitely feel that. Um, and I always think this in tomb, the decaying light is, you know, our best material yet. But I still think we're overall we're a live band, so get the full disentomb experience i think you have to see us live you know in we have a pretty intense we always aim to put on a pretty intense show we for every show so i think to get the full what we're about you have to see it live let's go into lyric writing it's always very stressful for me 
uh, filling Lord Worm's shoes. Yeah. Not only like, was he just just an epic frontman and a precursor extreme vocalist, he also wrote some of the most interesting lyrics out there. Yep. How do you go about crafting lyrics, coming up with concepts, and then yep. laying it down? Well, I think I do things backwards compared to a lot of other vocalists. I always come up with the song title first. Really? Yeah. So I try and come up with a song title that, you know, suits our themes. And the overall theme is sort of, we don't really go for gore or anything like that. There's a lot of sort of anti-theism elements to it. And, you know, throwing in a little bit of biblical mythology and just mixing stuff with our own sort of lore. You know, coming up with our own sort of characters and monsters and that sort of thing. It sounds really geeky. But I'll come well, up with... Death this. metal is geeky. Yeah, that's exactly... As much as everyone yeah. pretends it isn't, we are all geeks at heart. Super geeky. <laughs> so I'll come up with a song title and then sort of envision, you know, what that's going to be about and then sort of build a story around it or build some sort of concepts around that and go from there. So that's the main way I go about it. The, the overall themes for The Decaying Light, our, our latest album is, you know, there's a lot of stuff with, you know... I guess if you look into it deep enough or in the state that the lyrics were written in, there's a lot of, you know, mental illness references in there and, you know, sort of those things that I think all of us in the band have sort of encountered and and battled. And you can definitely tell the album was written over a five-year span and there was a lot of, you know, we went through a lot of struggles, each of us personally. And I think the album overall captures that. And especially the lyrics and the, the styles. You know, there's a lot of geeky mythology stuff in there as well. But underneath, there's like, there's, I, I think Substance. there's. Yeah, there's definitely. You know, we always want to write brutal death metal with emotions. So we try and make sure that's matched with the lyrics. There's th- that sort of dismal feeling of despair. <laughs> How hard is it waiting five years in between releases? It, it, it was. Uh, it was, yeah, we were tormented by it because there wasn't any reason for us to take that long other than the fact that we dropped Misery in 2014. And then you toured it. And we toured, you know, for five years we, we were doing tours in support of that album, which, you know, sounds insane. But we would be away for four or five months of the year while still holding down careers. And, you know, when we got back from the the six or seven months we were back at home we didn't really have time to be doing stuff with the band so we kind of so the album was essentially written in 2016 but we just held on to it and made a few changes here and there but we finally even vocally yeah even vocally wow yep yep. We, we um a lot of things were completed but we just didn't have time and didn't really just put it together it's hard it's hard it always happens to me when i have a tour coming I just want to be at home. Like the two weeks before I leave on the tour, I don't want to see anyone. I want to see my family. That's exactly right. I'm be there with my parents, be there with my kids, be there with my wife, spend some time, go on the tour. Let's say it's a five-week tour, so that's mm. seven weeks right there. And then come home, same thing. Two weeks afterwards, I don't want to see anyone. I just want to be home. So that's like nine weeks. That's you know, almost four months, like That's exactly three, right. three and a half months just gone out of the year. So yep. a, lot of, a lot of fans at home wonder why we're not just putting out music all the time. Yeah, it was, it was a bit frustrating for, for us when we had people saying, you know, what's coming after Misery for what seemed like, you know, people were asking that for about three years. 
we just kept telling people to hold on. We're working on it. Yeah, we're we're working <laughs> on it, but yeah, it was a frustrating situation for all of us that uh, it took that long. We we definitely will make sure that the break between album the decaying light and album four. You know, we, we've got half of that album already written now. So. Good for you guys. Yeah. yeah. So that means, are you hypothetically going to sacrifice future tours to dedicate time to making it happen, or the decaying lot? I feel like is the first proper disentomb album. You know, I think we've really solidified our sound and what we're about. And I think now that we've figured out the formula of you know what it takes to write a song that sounds like this in tomb, mm-hmm. now we've figured that out, it's going to be a lot easier to write this next album. And we're just very conscious of you know not letting time. I think we've learned a lot between albums in terms of how to get things done quicker. And having Adrian, our bassist, knowing he can record and as well as you know mix. I think that's the way we're going to go. So if we can do... Just track mu- everything through him and just yeah, move forward. Yeah. Do as much of it in-house. It should make it a pretty quick process. It's always the best way. No one knows you guys as best as you guys. That That's exactly right, you know. But it's it's stressful for the guy that does it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, stressful hats for Adrian. Off, hats, hats off to my guitarist <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to put up with all of our garbage. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine how frustrating it is. I'm just... You know, I guess that's the uh, penalty you pay for being super talented at production and recording. It's, it's like if you have a guy that's like an in-house videographer. Yep. He's you're gonna, your, your talent's going to be used. <laughs> on, on the shoestring budgets that death metal bands have, <laughs> yeah. we're going to utilize you to the full of your extent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned you had a day job, death metal vocalist. Yep. At night. During the day, what happens? I'm a group editor for five different newspapers across my state. So I work mainly from home. Um, which which are, is, works out well for the yeah, touring. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. But I oversee a team of journalists across five communities. Wow. And, yeah, yeah, and we put out non-daily newspapers. So some of the newspapers put out two papers a week or one weekly paper. And I moved to that job in January. Um because it just allowed a little bit more flexibility with touring. Before then, I was a daily newspaper editor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so I moved up sort of through the ranks from a journalist when I first started in 2012. And yeah, so it's a bit of a, it definitely feels like living two different lives because, you know, in my job, you'll you'll deal with politicians, you'll deal with, you know, very respectable people in the community and then you'll sort of go on tour and not shower for a few days and you know hang out with people who are you know death metal people tend to be a little bit of the the outcasts of society yeah yeah but a little bit more strange it is a bit more tattoos yeah yeah definitely but you know i feel pretty comfortable with uh with the death metal crowd that's for sure i was i was gonna say which which one do you feel more at ease with i feel much more at ease wearing a brodequin shirt talking to a 35-year-old dude with uh, a mortician tattoo than I do dealing with a uh, politician in a suit. At least you know what you're going to get. That's exactly right. They're not going to lie to my face. So, you know, that's a good start. What would be uh, the dream tour for Disentomb if you have not already done it? I think the dream tour, in terms of, I guess, bucket list bands, we've, we've pretty much ticked off all the bands we've wanted to play with. But I think the dream tour for us would be something along the lines of Cannibal Corpse, you know, just because they're the masters and, you know, you can't get bigger than Cannibal Corpse in terms of true death metal. And then probably Dying Fetus, Morbid Angel, 1999 tour lineup. And I would probably say Disgorge 
from California. They're, they're my favorite band of all time. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. My boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to all of those guys. I love yeah, them. Man. Yes, yes. Yeah, Ricky. Yeah, yep. They're the Riff Wizard. Oh, dude. They've... Soria right now on bass. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my lover boy, <laughs> Big Teddy Bear Angel. Oh, yes. Angel. Yes. Yeah, he's Uncle. a beautiful yeah. man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, Disgorge is... There, there wouldn't be any Disentomb without Disgorge. That's really? Much, That's yeah. amazing. That's good to hear. Disentomb yeah. is a Disgorge song from their demo, actually. So, Well, there you go. That, yeah. There. Yeah. So now we've got to write a, a song called Disgorge and full circle. <laughs> you know. The next one. The next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. If you could travel back in time and be on any tour again, what tour would that be? I forget when it was in the 90s. It might have been 96 when Domination dropped, but Morbid Angel supported Pantera. Really? Yeah, there was a... Because I remember, you know, when you would download sort of things from LimeWire back in the day and yes. you download like 40-second clips? Yes. There's one of um, Phil and Salmo doing guest vocals for Morbid Angel through, I think, the song... I think it's a song off Blessed. The one that starts with... But yeah, either way, that tour. Because just seeing Phil and Salmo do guest vocals for Morbid Angel is... Fucking right, dude, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> being on that tour would be pretty sick, and especially with Pantera, I ma- imagine the crowds would be wicked. You know? Yes, indeed. Yeah, fuck yeah. Who do you think is the most extreme, best vocalist out there nowadays? I would say the best, most extreme vocalist is the dude who has been the best, most extreme vocalist since the early 90s, which is Matty Way. From um, you know, former Discord vocalist, sang on Cranial Empowerment and Sheila gutted those albums, and now sings in obviously Abominable Putridity. And you know, he's been on a few other projects, Liturgy and Cinerary. So, you know that that guy just doesn't can't be topped. I I think he's the toilet bowl. Those men. We were listening to Cranial Empowerment the other day. That album as a band and. It's just insane to think that came out in the early 90s or mid-90s. You have to imagine like where his inspirations came from. Well, yeah, I, I had a chance to meet Matty and I I asked him that, you know, and he said at the time a lot of people, you know, I, I, I get it too from, you know, doing sort of ultra-guttural vocals. You get people who come to shows who may be so, listening, so used to listening to bands like Cannibal Corpse where, you know, there's a lot of enunciation yes, yes. with all the syllables. Um, you know, people will say, oh, I like this in tomb. I like everything about it, but the vocals are a bit, you know. I, I don't understand them. Yeah, I don't understand them. It's funny because you're very, I can tell that you, you, you probably write very good lyrics. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Being an editor for newspapers, well, I'm sure well, you're, At least your, your the grammar and the punctuation is are, good. It might be like good. shit content though. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I asked Maddie that. And he said he got the exact same thing, which I found like a really interesting perspective when he first came out in the mid-90s doing these just... No no one had done vocals like that before, just sounded absolutely disgusting and inhuman. And it was really interesting just hearing from him that, you know, people were saying that stuff back then. And I can imagine for sure people, you know, early 90s hearing a dude that sounds like a drain pipe. Yes, yes. It's pretty pretty obscure. Barnes era... Yeah. Vile so, era, yeah. But yeah, my two main vocalists... The bleeding era, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, that's right. Just when, ultra- when, when, when he just like really started just saying every word, yeah. Yep. So yeah, my, my two main vocal inspirations are both former Disgorge vocalists, AJ Magana, 
and Matty Way. So I, I think those guys have, you know, perfected it. And then when, when you go through, are they going to live set? You think about the words, but you don't say them. No, there's, there is enunciation. Like there's, you know, there's certain vocal lines that I'll do where it'll like just catchy be... catchy ones? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely ones where, you know, there's syllables and I am sort of roaring the exact lyrics. And there's a lot of times where I'm doing that. And especially in the newer stuff where we've we've really thought out the vocal patterns in the song composition. But especially with our older stuff, there's a lot of ones where, you know, there'll be an entire sentence. But it, there's no way in hell you're ever going to understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Like there might be, you might tell a syllable halfway through the sentence, the, uh, the octave might drop a little bit and just go... Oh, there's guttural. a different word. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's that's the sign of a new sentence starting. So it, it, it is absolutely like I understand. So you just focus on the tone on yeah. stage. Yep. Your your primary focus is the tone. Yep, nailing I, that tone. Yeah, and obviously trying to hit the syllables when they do. But there are a lot of times where you know everything just sort of blends into the one thing, and there, yeah, the emphasis really is on tone. Yeah, okay, so it's a work. Yeah, it's it's a it's a workout, that's for sure. Yeah. Being on stage, <laughs> it's interesting. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, be, being in the world, I, I, I when I joined Cryptopsy, I really wanted to be brutal. Yeah, yeah. So I I started more in that vein of just trying to scream as low as I can. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm trying to transition into a more enunciated mm. syllable cut up, breaking down the words more of a bark. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's interesting to to go to the both. Is there a moment that you wanted to move more? Is that that that's disentomb and you want to stay to that? Mixing the voices. I think there'll always be a mix of just ultra guttural, you know, just completely understandable. But there's going to be times where, you know... If, For like hooky parts, you're yeah, writing yeah. like a great line and you want the crowd to shout it with you. Yeah, there's definitely hooks and there was a bit of emphasis on the new album on making sure there is sort of vocal parts where, you know, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot more enunciated than uh, a lot of other bits, you know, a bit where... I guess when we're putting it together and it leads into, you know, a slam or a slew yeah, yeah, or exactly. whatever, we'll sort of want an Some, emphasis something, something you on can a put on the back line. of a shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something you can... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's, 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 that's what, what I I'll, mean. Yeah. When we write songs now, I'll just say, you know, all right, this next bit's got to go on the back of his shirt. So uh, well, yeah. let's make sure they know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jordan, I love it. Thank you so much. Come and having a beer with me at Le Saint Buck. Fantastic really beer. Cheers. Fantastic chat. Cheers. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Jordan's such an extreme vocalist. I went to the show afterwards, and I was just blown away by this guy's performance. Just so, so brutal. One of the most extreme vocal performances I have ever witnessed. Huge shout-out to Jordan. Huge shout-out to Disentombed. You guys should all check out The Decaying Light, the new Disentombed record. It's absolutely fantastic, and it's going to be on a bunch of year-end lists, I'm sure. As always, the best way to support the Vox and Hops podcast is to go to the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. Up there right now, we have the Vox and Hops Cuff Knit Beanie that you can get. It's starting to get cold up here in Canada. We already got slammed with a bunch of snow. And the Vox and Hops Cuff Knit Beanie is going to keep your noggin nice and warm. We also have the Vox and Hops 9-ounce branded glassware, the exact style of glass that I like to use when I'm drinking craft beer. I got these all right now. Get yours today through the link in the description. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Opsets.
Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.